These are the trauma healing learnings based on one mom's journal entries recorded in real time from a catastrophic event with her son that you've been listening to in the blink of an eye story. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. Welcome to Trauma Healing Learning 9, Affirmations for Nurses, with Pediatric Registered Nurse Riley Thacker. Archer had just turned 17 when he was catastrophically injured in a freak diving accident while at the beach on summer vacation. He was both a boy and a young man. He and I experienced over 100 different nurses in pediatric and adult hospital settings who cared for him in the various intensive care units and hospitals over the first six months of the blink of an eye journey. In this trauma healing learning, we will learn about the true behind the scenes experience of nursing, both short and long-term, as seen through the fresh eyes of a nurse entering the profession. This nurse and I also talk about what it is like to have others trust you with their lives. Nursing, it's a noble profession that takes a certain type of person who is committed, caring, and courageous. Pediatric registered nurse Riley Thacker works at Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C. In 2021, Riley graduated magna cum laude from the Clemson University School of Nursing with her Bachelor's of Science in Nursing degree. She has now been working at Children's Hospital for over a year. Way to go, Riley. Before joining the pediatric team at Children's, Riley also worked as a nurse intern at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. What's more is that Riley is a dear friend of Archer's, one of those friends who was rocked by the news of his injury in 2015. She is also one of those friends who made the trek to New Jersey to visit Archer at Atlantic Care and also made the longer trek to visit Archer at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta when he had transitioned to a rehab room. As we already know from episode nine, the highs and lows of spinal cord injury rehab, Riley's visit and presence were incredibly healing for Archer. What a beauty and blessing friendship can be. And who would have imagined how Archer's injury shaped a career choice? So settle in. Take a deep breath, exhale, and consider how you might affirm yourself today or someone else. Welcome to Trauma Healing Learning 9, Affirmations for Nurses with Riley Thacker. I am blessed to introduce you to Riley Thacker. Riley is one of Archer's dear friends from high school 
She is from Baltimore. She now lives in Washington, D.C. after graduating college, and she is working as a nurse. Welcome, welcome, Riley. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So excited to talk with you. Well, you know, we have this unique opportunity to look back now, seven years ago, to the time when Archer was injured and in the ICUs and at Shepherd. On it goes. And you were with Archer all these steps of his journey. So I've really been looking forward to this. And you're now a nurse. You're not a 16, 17-year-old high school girl and and yeah. dear friend. So let me ask you about being a nurse. How is it? Why did you choose to be a nurse? How did that come about? Did you always know, not know? I don't think I don't think I always knew. I think it's crazy like looking back. I was looking just in my camera roll just like 7 years ago to different to I'm such like a visual person and I was wanted to see pictures of like us at Shepherd and places to just like bring myself back to that time and it was crazy because I had found a picture of when Mike Detterman and Jennings and Basil had visited Archer at Atlanticare and I remember seeing a picture they had taken and being so taken aback like he had the vent and he had the feeding tube he was like all hooked up to everything as people are when they're in the ICU and I remember like even when I visited being like so scared I had never I don't think in my life visited someone in an ICU before like that was probably one of my first times in a hospital at all and being so scared. And then like visit after visit, like then he went to the different rehab places and like was slowly coming off of all the different tubes and machines. And like I was slowly getting like less scared or less kind of freaked out by the hospital environment, I guess. But then there's people who going into a hospital makes them like queasy. You know, there's people who can't deal with the smells. They can't look at blood. They can't this. And I kind of slowly realized like, Oh, I can deal with it. I like being there. I like that type of stuff. So it's interesting. And like seeing like at one point, my grandmother was in the hospital, she broke her hip. And I remember like going into the hospital, like my little sister would be like freaking out. She's like, what's, what's she going to look like? What's, what's it going to be like? What, whatever. And like freaking out and me just being like, it's fine. It's just normal. You know, she's just going to be in the hospital bed. Like don't freak out, whatever. So it's interesting able to compare myself and like how I was feeling going into situations like that and realizing like, oh, I could see myself working in a hospital. Like, I am totally fine with all this stuff. That's like amazing that even as I'm hearing that, that even through this journey from your grandmother and mm -hmm. seeing others really freaked out, and you weren't, but only through the Archer experience realizing mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm actually getting really used to this and I'm not freaked out as you're a young, yeah. young girl in, you know, in the shaping yeah. of, of one's worldview. Nursing in general, what I liked about that as opposed to like any other profession in the hospital is more so that the nurses are, they're the ones at the bedside all the time. Like they're always there. They're usually the ones who are always with the family or like knowing information, able to communicate sort of like a liaison between the rest of the like care team and then the patient and their family. So that's kind of what I liked about it was more so like the personal aspect that you got with the patients and families. And like, I can even say that now, I mean, I've been working since March and then all throughout nursing school too. Like I've loved it. Like I, it's definitely high stress and scary at times for sure. I don't work in an ICU, but I work in a like step down unit. So it's still intense, but then brief story last week, 
I got this baby. I work on a heart and kidney unit in the children's hospital. I got this baby. My first day, I worked four days in a row. My first day out of the ICU, he was coming after heart surgery. And then each day I came back, I had him each day. Then on my fourth day, I got to send him home. So it just was like so rewarding. The family like knew me because I was their only nurse those four days. Wow, and like they had yeah. a different nurse at night. But then I was like, wow, like this is why I do it. You know, like it, they were so happy to go home and like. You had been only... bedside with them from the time yeah. when they arrived until the time when they ended. And so it had yeah. this incredible rewarding component yeah. for you for what it yeah. is that you've loved to do this up close and personal and exactly. with the way, the time that they came in, it just happened to mm -hmm. be your four days. Yeah. Think days like that, you like kind of remember like why you do it. Cause then there's obviously other days that are like so stressful or hard or just so busy or not great outcomes. And it's like those days are harder than you have the good days. So it's like balances it out. I it guess. does. I guess I know that it's hard. Yeah. You know, I remember you're reminding me of some of the nurses, my goodness, I mean, Archer probably had over 300 nurses yeah. in different oh facilities, gosh. at least, maybe more. Mm -hmm. Just at Atlanticare, I was keeping trying to keep track, and I think there were like 67 nurses mm -hmm. that, that we had had just in that period of time. But I do remember what you just said, how some of the nurses would say, I'm going to be with you, you know, for three or four days. Yeah. And I guess that's because that's a common nursing schedule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so we do like three days a week, 12 hour shifts. So it ends up being basically a 40 hour work week, but you just do the 7am to 7pm basically. Typically what I like to do is stack my days back to back because then you're given the same patients back. So you're able to make like a better relationship. You know, all the stuff they need for that day. And like you have already met their parents and you like, you kind of know what's going on as opposed to if you work like every other day, you're not guaranteed to have the same kids back you had two days ago. So you're almost like learning a whole new set of people every day. And better for yeah. them too, because there's a relationship that's formed. Exactly. Yeah. So I try and stack my days. I think as nurses get older, it's harder. Like I think like we have some, just some of the nurses who have been there for years and years and, and it's just too tiring on the body. So like all the young nurses will do three days back to back. And then the older nurses may do like, two days together and then one day later sort of thing. So I think it definitely, definitely takes a toll on your body. But for now, I'm liking doing the days in a row. For sure. I, I like the fact that it gives you the flexibility as one would age for other possible, you know, family obligations. But, yeah. it, but what you're talking about is the body because it's hard on the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what yeah. is it particularly that is hard on the body? I would imagine that many people don't think about that or realize that with the yeah, choice to be a nurse. For me, I would say it's like being like you're for 12 hours a day, you're up on your feet. You're sort of like, you have to sit to chart every so often. But like, if I have typically like three patients for the day and they all have medicine due at eight and they all have medicine due at 10 and you're sort of just like got to get in each room for each thing. And then before you know it, then it's 10 o'clock and then you're doing each room at 10 o'clock. And then you're like, okay. So I've been like running around place to place. And like, so people will wear like compression socks on their feet and stuff. Cause like when you're on your feet all day or like your ankles literally get puffy. You mean the nurses might be wearing compression socks? Yeah. 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 yeah right. Not, yeah. not, not just the patients. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. Um, but then not just that part, but then it's also, for me, just being a new nurse in general, like I'm recently off orientation, just the stress of sometimes I'll be stressed like the night before going to work, wondering like, 
who my patients are going to be or like is it going to be scary assignment kind of and like typically since I'm new I won't get the hardest patients on the floor like ones that are more stable but then as nurses are more experienced like then you're given more more of the like intense patients who basically at any minute could have to go back to the ICU so it's just sort of the stress of that and making sure like deep down you know everything but you're like okay what's the worst thing that could happen what's going to be presented today when I arrive yeah and then I always have to tell myself like I actually downloaded this affirmations app that gives me like an affirmation every hour and there's some that will come up and be like I'm not going to stress over things I can't control because it's like if it's 6 30 at night the night before I'm going to work in the morning even the people on the unit don't know who my patients are going to be yet like why would I stress over it if I can't even (laughs) like they don't even know so why would I stress if I can't control it stress as another thing which I think contributes to like nursing burnout and all of that just the long hours and then the stress of having other people's like lives in your hand basically you know like it's just crazy I have friends from college who are just like my one friend works for a company called Box and that she's like on her computer whatever great job she loves her job but then she sent me a thing one day that was like it's crazy how some people's jobs have people's lives in their hands and other people's jobs it doesn't matter if you click send on an email or not <laughs> I was like that is so true like yes how, it kind of like, sums it up doesn't like, it like one, yeah, one like, email okay, my job I'm yeah going into my day being like okay gotta get these medicines right on time or this kid is so sick you know um but I try not to think like that obviously it's a great um, deal of responsibility it is yeah but I love it nonetheless so. and you love I'm it happy. nonetheless well, I'm happy with it's interesting hearing you Riley because It sounds as though at least the unit that you've chosen with um, children who might be so sick and also on the brink of potentially going back into the ICU, which of course is precarious and hopefully is intended to be short term, but Mm -hmm. when when children or adults are, are very, very intensively sick, that there's this almost adrenaline rush, and if you didn't love like making a difference and being bedside and having that relationship, mm-hmm. it, it might really bottom you out. Yeah. I think, I think there's definitely times, I mean, especially on a floor like mine or floor like ICUs in general, there's people who love it so much and you'll have like 50 year old nurses who've been doing it since they were 25 and they love it. But then there's also ones who hit like a three year mark and they're like, I can't do it anymore. Like, um, throughout COVID, you've seen like literally nursing staffing is just crazy understaffed every hospital everywhere. Like you name it, there's like bonuses being sent out. Like I could go on my phone right now and there's probably a huge bonus to come in tonight at 7 p.m. to work mm. because there's so not enough nurses. And I think through that is huge like factor from COVID, just people were kind of almost going to retire and then COVID hit and they, they're like, no, I'm done. Like I cannot deal with it like I can't take it but then there's people who love it so much they'll do it for 20 something years and then there's other people who are like I can do it for three years and then I might go and be a nurse in a doctor's office you know something like not as high stress but still like working with families working with kids or doing what they love but just not as high stress because like it totally takes a toll I mean like I can even see after like three days of work I'm like I have stress acne on my face like literally you can see it in your body like how stressful it can be but I still obviously I'm so new I still have days I come home almost every day and I'm like oh I love this you know but I think people will probably just get to a point where they're like 
can't do it anymore, you know. It, it sounds as though them. you're paying close attention to your body mm -hmm. from even the early days when you were mentioning when you were in high school with Archer at McDonough and mm -hmm. you were just aware of how you weren't queasy, you know, yeah. with the different things happening. And now as an, in the hospital and now as a nurse, um, aware of like, even like what you call stress acne. Yeah. Um, but, but you're still a young 23 year old. <laughs> so to have methods, you know, one of the aspects of blink of an eye are mm -hmm. trauma healing learnings and talking to a number of different amazing men and women with wisdom around a stress, but around pain, around anything that is, you know, a loss, traumatic. But we oftentimes think that trauma is something that we've experienced as sort of this major event. And indeed, I, I opine myself in listening to you as a young nurse who loves it so much and yet still you're so aware of the toll that it's taking that cumulatively nurses mm -hmm. might experience traumatic impact. And so to really consider uh, some of the trauma release and trauma methods that people who have had acute trauma might be turning to alternatively to, to release that, that cycle of what you call stress or, or pain in the body. And I would okay. really welcome you to look at that so that you, with that love that you have of families and children, will be in the profession for you know 20 and 30 yeah. plus years. I know like in the hospital, they are always working towards like, they know how tough it is mentally, just like working in a hospital. So after something traumatic, if there's like a code or something, they'll have like a whole debrief session, like, and everyone can say what they felt during it, like a whole session about that. And then even just not even a big traumatic event, but even at the end of the workday, they have like these posters on the wall as you're leaving that say like, remind yourself of what went well today, like what didn't go well today, what you can do. It's kind of prompts to ask yourself so that you're able to leave work at work and you're not taking home this trauma or stress with you. So little things like that that are definitely they're doing to help help nurses or help anyone in the hospital really to cope with each day because it's just like the days are stressful too, you know. But So, so even the hospitals rely on affirmations, yeah, which, right, which yeah. we know from a, a neuropsycho perspective are mm -hmm. very powerful when the mind yeah. can focus on something and shift to something that is positive and that's yeah. self-affirming. It actually, yeah. you know, sends out endorphins into mm -hmm. the into the body, which helps to re-regulate the central nervous system. So those affirmations, so you're doing yeah, them, the hospital's crazy, doing them. actually scientific. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's scientific. You know, and just uh, I, I learned myself from one of our experts on the trauma healing learnings episodes, how the word stress itself is something that actually came from construction and, and engineers with regard to weight load you know, on, mm -hmm. on planks, on, on steel and on wood. And wow. we've borrowed it to how it is that we view humans. It's interesting, cool. isn't it? Right. Yeah. That yeah. is so interesting. To see the analogies there. Yeah. Well, I want you to 
take care of yourself. I, I have opined about, I mean, this is just such a wonderful opportunity for me talking to a, a young nurse who's so committed and has, you know, you have your future ahead of you. I opined over the time when Archer was in the multiple ICUs about the post-secondary stress and trauma, which is the way I was thinking about it then, of nurses. And it may have been one of the high reasons for why so many narcotics were relied upon. Because it's so painful to see your patients, especially when you have relationships and want to have relationships with them or their families in pain mm -hmm. and, you know, and in such misery and to try and move them out of that. You know, you talk about the pain schedule, how it's so yeah. important to you know, keep that med schedule going. And it just, I, I can see how narcotics have really been overused and out of mm -hmm. hand for another reason that was really perhaps well-intended you know, yeah. by nurses to, to try and sedate someone to take away their pain. What do you think about yeah. that? Well, I, um, I would say I don't see it nearly as much being on an acute care floor compared to like a critical in the ICU, but we do get kids mostly like for my direct experience, kids like after heart surgery. So they have like this big incision in their chest. Like they had literally been, their chest was open in surgery. So we're seeing more, pain management of that but we also see it like a few days after surgery when like they're not on the high pain meds anymore like typically I'm giving like Tylenol and ibuprofen more because they're that far along past surgery so I don't really see it as much honestly as I'm sure in the ICU like that is an option that you have to turn to if they're like especially if the patient is already sedated or especially being in a children's hospital they're not able to tell you it's different right. than when you're when you're working with adults who are like, my leg hurts, right? Like kids up until they're like 14, probably maybe 12, can't be like, oh, I have a burning sensation in my hand, you know, like there's no, they're not able to express that. So I think that probably does happen in the ICU. It's easier to be like, oh, maybe they're in pain, but there also are like clinical signs of pain too. Like if the patient, they look comfortable, but their heart rate could be super high. That's like an indicator of pain. Or if their heart rate's super high and they're sweating a lot or they're breathing really fast, you may not be able to say, ow, I'm hurting. They may not be crying. But the body's indicating. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like with Archer or any quadriplegic, this autonomic yeah. dysreflexia. It's interesting. Like, I don't necessarily see that aspect as much just being on an acute care floor. I'm not like exposed to as many like stronger pain meds, I guess. But I do, I can see what you're saying about like how it can, it definitely can easily get out of hand. Um, like if they're like, then patients will get used to it, which is we see a lot of um, like sedation weans. So that it be a patient who was on strong pain meds or sedated for surgery. And if it's a baby, you have to wean them off of it. You can't just have them on these super, super hard narcotics and then, oh, they're done. Like they're down to Tylenol, you know, so they're, they're given like, step-by-step -step, like daily sort of weed, yes I, I think I think people don't fully appreciate just how powerful medication is on the body but narcotics yeah. on the body that you've got to wean off because it could cause so much damage yeah uh, to the system yeah yeah it's just it's so fascinating you know I gosh I, I could I could talk about these nursing things 
something that's coming up for me, Riley, mm-hmm. is as a divorce mediator, and a number of the mediations over the 30 years have also involved nurses. You know, we're in the shadow of mm-hmm. uh, Johns Hopkins and the University of Maryland Medical System and, you know, numbers of other major medical systems here in Baltimore. And when I've had the privilege, but also sadly, when a nurse was going through a, a divorce, there was often addiction with the nurse. Mm-hmm you know, got into the pain meds or just drinking wine regularly and then ongoing. And listening to what you just shared about the burnout, I can do this for just a little bit of time or after three years I'm done, or some nurses who might not actually leave the profession but keep on going, I, I do think there might be a disproportionate percentage of nurses, one of those professions where one would have to really take care of herself or himself. Yeah. And not turn well, to think, numbing. Yeah. Well, I think like, obviously people cope different ways with, with, we talk about stress, like coming home, like luckily I'm not at a point yet in my career where I'm like, I get home from a 12 hour day and I'm like, I need a glass of wine, you know, like, but they're definitely, I can so see like people, especially working in like more critical settings and what I'm in, like people probably get to a point where they're like, they're coming home and they're seeing like, death every single day and they're like you know like I think that can't be easy and like luckily I haven't had to deal with that yet but um I can't imagine coming home from like these horrible situations that like you're right at the center of almost like at work and coming home and having even like you're saying these people if they're going like through a divorce or something and then you step out of work and it's like okay well now I have to I've been taking care of other people all day now let me go home and take care of my kids or take care of my husband, you know, like, cause it's just so you're doing things for other people all day. Like we had this class actually the other week that was telling us you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're all day in the job that we're in, you're pouring, pouring, pouring like parts of yourself to these other people. And that's the job that we signed up for. That's the job we love, you know, but then you get to the end of your day and you're like, What are you going to do to fill your cup before you go home and are able to give love to your kids and your husband and whoever? So it's so interesting because if people don't have that awareness, you can so easily see them getting burnt out or getting like having their home life becoming unstable, you know, because you're giving so much at work and you're going to come to your wits end, you know, eventually if you're not like self-aware of how like work is affecting you or how, how your mental state is doing. So I can so see people obviously have to cope their different ways. If you're putting everything into work, it's almost hard to have anything left over to put into your family. Yes. Filling your (laughs) cup. Well, you know, you're at the, you're at the brink on the on the uh, edge of moving in because you and you're moving right into a mm-hmm. career of a potential lifetime because you love it and to really look at how you will fill your cup and mm-hmm. that balance and I just so appreciate your you know still as a very young woman having this ability to have self awareness and I, I think of that little baby that you mentioned or the twelve year old. And how it is that we can bring into our own friend circles and family circles for young people the ability to have 
self-awareness, which includes yeah. body awareness. So you actually do develop a language of what's going on on the inside or you know where it might be at a younger age that can really serve you well. I was going to say, I think another thing too that people don't realize, which I kind of realized because I was coming out of nursing school sort of at the middle of COVID, but what I think was noticeable to me was like obviously throughout COVID and then still to the end, it was this all hype, like healthcare heroes, like we're so appreciative of our nurses and everybody. But what I realized and like working with nurses is like before COVID, there was no sort of like appreciation, I would say towards nurses, like, and so many people who work in the healthcare field, like there's some of the only, not some of the only, but there, that's a huge profession of people who are like dealing with people's lives on their hands for 12 hours a day. Like it is such a long day of work, you know, such a long week of work. And I think so many nurses probably feel like they weren't like appreciated to the max, like before COVID. Cause then COVID w- came and like everybody realized how yes, bad there was an irony were. of COVID. Yeah. While it was burning. You know, like open people's eyes. Like everybody was so appreciative yeah. of nurses and everyone who worked in healthcare. So I think it kind of was like, wow, like we've been, unappreciated for so long like people are now realizing everything we do even from the perspective of the scheduling that that you've mentioned it's possible that the perception of many about a nurse because you are such caregivers would be like, oh, you know, she's such a great mom. Oh, yeah, she's a nurse because you've got this flexibility. So you're still at school and you're still involved and you're still on the playground. But they don't Mm -hmm. know about the two 12-hour days that you're working back-to-back or the three. It ends up being like a full 40-hour work week because you're there. You end up being there basically for 13 hours each day, Mm -hmm. like 7 and then 7 a.m. You're almost there until 8 p.m. or vice versa if you're on night shift. So it's kind of crazy. People are like, you're so lucky you get like, it, I'll be off on like Wednesday. My friends are like, you're so lucky. Like you just have nothing to do today. I'm like, well, yes, but like I have to grocery shop and work out and do my laundry because every other day I'm at work all day. <laughs> like, I can't yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, optics of it are deceiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, yes, I do have a lot more days off in the week, but it ends up being the same amount of hours. So I will, I'll share with you something that my acupuncturist shared with me and I thought it was a real pearl. And that was that for we who run these really tight, busy, crazy schedules to find or to commit to a half a day a week while you're young to doing Mm -hmm. nothing. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you sit around like doing nothing, but to like not take on a project, to not be running around doing all the errands, but rather... You know, if you're going to piddle in, in, you know, your apartment or you're going to maybe piddle in your garden or, you know, going for a walk with the dog or whatever it is, but not because it was on the have to to do list. Right. And to really cultivate that energy energetically in the body, this cultivation so that when you do go back into these environments that can be very all consuming mm-hmm. and what you call a stressful environment, you are less likely to be worn out because you yeah. do fill your cup. And that yeah. might be something I will just share with you that might, might be yeah. of use. <laughs> I 
mom has said before, because there's days I'm working night shifts, so I don't have to go into work until 7 p.m. And I'll be like, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, like all day until work, like whatever. And I'll be stressed about not knowing what to fill my day with. And she's like, you're allowed to do nothing. Like it's still a work day because you're going into work later in the day and through the night. So you're allowed to do nothing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, and and you could even frame it like, not only am I allowed, I need to yeah, do I should nothing. Be this is nothing. this is what I need to be doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really beautiful. You know, it's also just too rich to pass up. But I'm thinking about right. your young self-awareness. Do you remember when we worked with the Enneagram? Mm -hmm. Yep, on the Slime Yard yes. Slime Days. And, yes. um, and you learned about that you have a worldview, you have a type mm -hmm. that motivates you um, right. as you and Archer and, and his other friends were helping him mm -hmm. um, with Slime Your Slimes. It, it does, do you ever think about that now? All the time. I, so it's actually funny because Shannon and I will talk about, I've showed the Enneagram to so many people. I'll just like make my mom read all of it and be like, find out which one, you know, I just think it's, it's so interesting to me. And I am a type one. So I am a perfectionist. So I like, I think that's half of why I love nursing is because in the morning we go in at like seven in the morning and we have a paper you can print out that has each hour of the day. It's like seven, eight, nine, all the way until 7 p.m. You fill in what you need to do each hour. Like at nine o'clock, I need to feed this baby. At 10 o'clock, this baby has medicine, whatever. Fill out my day. As the day goes on, I'm crossing off each thing because I'm so like, to-do list oriented and task oriented, getting it done. Um, and I think that's also why I struggle with my days off having nothing to do. Cause I'm like, I need to do my laundry and I need to grocery, you know, and I'm so like perfectionist about that. And so I am aware. And I think about, I think about the Enneagram all the time and how it's so accurate of my life. <laughs> and, and how that it serves you so well, so beautifully. Right. It and helps me do my job. It helps like, you do your job and yeah. how it can also cause suffering in excess. So you can relax, yeah. you know, you can relax that tendency, which might be the, as your mom said, it's okay to yeah. do nothing um, when you are a perfectionist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's perfection in the moment. That's the essence yeah. of, of right. type one, right? There's perfection right now in this moment doing nothing. And of course I, I share that with you uh, as a type three lookalike with one on self-awareness, you know, to have to frame that for myself as well, that this is, yeah. there's serenity for you in the moment and mm -hmm. there is effortlessness in this hopeful moment for me. Mm -hmm. It's really quite beautiful. My dear, we have this additional opportunity. I thank you so much for sharing with me about your nursing career and your views on that. It is it's so, so helpful to hear. It is intimidating, but, I think, a hospital yeah. scene for anyone who's not familiar with it. Yeah. And, and I do think you, you raised something, too, that it becomes so incredibly familiar to a nurse that there can be sometimes a disconnect between their the reminder of how unfamiliar and intimidating mm -hmm. it is for a family, yeah. family member, and how just completely normal. And then sometimes in the completely normal, 
the family member doesn't know that something isn't going to mess up the machines right, <laughs> right? right. or do something either. So there's a lot of uh, communication. There's even times needed. now, like in the hospital, like all of our kids are hooked up to like the monitor, like with the cardiac leads and it shows their heart rhythm and all the different stuff. And it'll alarm, you know, and we just run in and we're like, oh, sorry about the alarm, whatever. And they think like something, you know, and you have to remind yourself like, okay, we are the ones like looking at the machines, looking at the monitors, like all day we know what everything means we know if an alarm is like fake you know because sometimes you'll put like the pole socks on a baby's foot and they kick and it alarms because it's saying like oh it's not a good number but it's like oh it's just because the baby's kicking just like it doesn't baby pick kicked, up that yeah. you know like and you see the look on the parent's face like are they okay <laughs> like, yeah there's I? just so much to learn because each yeah. of those beeps and buzzers mean something else it's like a new language that nurses yeah. know and families yeah. don't, and and we also don't know the difference between a code at the beginning, right, and just a, right. a beep that's going off because the saline bag emptied, and so it's it's all very has the body for a family member on high alert, yeah. not knowing how to how to read the language of the different sounds and codes. Yeah, it almost like makes you want to when you're admitting someone to the hospital makes me want to be like, okay, if you hear this sound it's this. If you hear this, it's this. Like, don't be scared of it, you know, because it would be a wonderful, wonderful thing for you to do. Yeah. Yeah. It really would. And for all nurses. Yeah. uh, Just be like, Oh, if this beeps, it's totally fine. Just call me. I'll come in. But if like, if this beeps, I'll be in in a second, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We might, might just relax them a little bit so they don't have to be on such hyper alert for every, every little sound. so many more things we could talk about. You were part of Slime Yard when Archer started yeah. this company. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. I, I remember, like, obviously going back on the pictures, like, there's pictures of me and Shannon, like, a selfie outside your house. It's like, leaving the office for the day, like, or something. <laughs> yeah, we well, there. Archer the artist, you know, yeah. he just had to, and he's creative. He's always been entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he, had, he had to do something, so we thank you all for, yeah. for doing that because those things would not have been possible without other people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was so happy to be a part of it. I mean, it was so cool to see, like, the startup of Slimeyard, and obviously we were, like, packing the boxes every day, pack, like, shipping, taking it to the post office and stuff, and then knowing. Yeah, customers. Like, he had customers. Ordering, <laughs> yeah, like, ordering the shirts, and we're like, back in in like Dewey's apartment or something like packing packing up all the boxes and shipping them out and stuff it was so fun to be a part of too like obviously just we all got to hang out every day and still like help him sell shirts like it was so cool it was really really beautiful well that's so sweet because he loved it too and it was you all had a little business together and then it was you know then ties and then hats and but all on all on slime yard yeah slimeyard.com you know just all the wonderful things that came about well I just want to thank you so much for being such a good friend and one of the things I think Archer is experiencing is that you know friends they can go through time we all can of you know becoming Mm -hmm. self-absorbed again and Mm -hmm. as we get older you know self-absorbed in our lives where we don't stay in contact with um, with our good friends and then we yeah. come back together and we pick up, you know, right where we left off. I know Archer relishes those those times and, and just cherishes when he's able to 
see you all again and, and when you're able to come together. And, yeah. you know, I think he's looking at those who stay in contact with him. Two months ago at the McDonough reunion, it was so fun just getting to see everybody, like people who I don't keep in contact with or haven't talked to since senior year of high school and just seeing everybody like interact like we were in high school again like what are you up to like everyone was just so it was so fun like such a fun night and I even we were talking about it afterwards we're like we need to figure out how to do that more not once like at our five-year high school reunion but like let's hang out with everybody who's in the area like so much more there was people who I hadn't talked to in like years there that I'm like oh I loved catching up with them you know you it know just, like, this is the time like, to do it um where you yeah. say you know once a month um, yeah. you, you pick a spot. Sometimes it can vary, but when you vary, I've got a lot of experience with this, with yeah. different groups and, and, uh, being part of forming groups, being part of other people's groups, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. If you, some of the best practices would be that you pick a, you pick one spot, mm -hmm. um, because people know, and you pick one time and one night and yeah. you make it monthly or, you know, six times a year, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, but monthly can be really good because it really varies then. You know, sometimes you'll right. have like a core of the regulars always there. And then others just know they can drop in and you'll be yeah. amazed how two years later, five years later, 10 years later, it, it's, it can still be going yeah. uh, by, by a few. Yeah. yeah. And so many people not so far. I mean, I think some of our friends farthest are like New York, but there's not, you know, there's still tons of people. Like we, I'm right in DC. It's literally just an hour, so it's nice. Obviously, people are still kind of close by, which will make it even, even easier. Yeah, even easier. Right, pick pick your night yeah. at night of the week. People can take the train down or even fly if they yeah. feel like they haven't seen everybody in a while, and they come once a year. Yeah. Um, but it's really it's it's very special times. It's it's what life is about, Riley. Yeah. All the relationships that we have and yeah. the love that we give. Thank you for your love of, of Archer. Course. He has so of much course. love for you and for your future as a wonderful, dedicated, loving nurse who also <laughs> is taking care of herself so she can yes. be in her <laughs> profession for many years to come. Yes. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, you so much for having me. I was happy to happy to dive back into all that stuff and see how, see, it's crazy to think like seven years later, like what, what it's like now. Like it just is. It was it's crazy. It is crazy, and it's and it's also it's hard to look back, and we can forget so many of the awful, negative things and to look back, but also to experience mm -hmm. the joy that's possible. Yeah, you know, even if it is years later, there is yeah. always this other side where you can just begin again. Always. Yeah, yeah, and I think looking back on everything helps you like be so appreciative and see how one thing turned to the next and like how we got where we are. Like it's obviously getting perspectives from every aspect of this whole situation. Like you're seeing so many points of view. It's like, it's just so cool. And then seeing how far we've come, like it's crazy, but such a cool thing that you're doing. Thank you. Our nurses deserve thanks each and every day, not just when a global pandemic strikes. Thank you to our medical professionals and the massive amount of emotional strength and fortitude you possess and even pass along to your patients.
we realize the brave sacrifices you make to help those around you. And for those of you who work in trauma, you are a true godsend. This trauma healing learning was also a reminder of the power of affirmations, those you can give yourself and those you can give to those around you. Words of affirmation, oh yes, those words are healing and instill faith and are invaluable, priceless. We all have a voice. Consider sharing yours with words of affirmation for someone else every day. It's a relational way of being. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Blink of an Eye Trauma Healing Learnings. You may tune in to the companion Blink of an Eye story at Season 3, Episode 9, The Highs and Lows of Spinal Cord Injury Rehab. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and following. And thank you for telling your friends about Blink of an Eye podcast and I See That, the Integrative Center for Trauma Healing nonprofit. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Subscribe to Blink of an Eye on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com. Blink of an Eye podcast is sponsored by I See That, the integrative center for trauma healing, advocacy, and transformation. A nonprofit created as a national resource to help change the way we respond to spinal cord injury, to include trauma healing approaches for families and medical teams across the U.S. I See That provides a national team of SCI specialized doctors for expert opinions in the first hours of crisis, a multidisciplinary family support and navigation team for SCI families led by SCI families for the first 30 days of crisis, and a national resource library of trauma-informed responses for the first hours and days after injury, specialized for families, friends, and SCI medical staff. I See That also offers a registry of medically unexpected SCI recoveries. I See That will host the inaugural conference, The Science of Trauma, Hope for Trauma Healing, November 3rd, 2022. To donate and find out more, visit www.icthat.org. That's I, the letter C, T-H-A-T dot org.